Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Okay, so we're going to jump into, we've been going through um, the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously, we're, we're in the month of October. We're, tomorrow's what, the 31st, right? And um, it's Halloween, you know, there's things going on there, and you, you need to use your wisdom and caution as how you go about the day and what that looks like for you and your family. And so I just, you know, wanted to, this was something that was big on my heart to talk through what does it look like to identify that there is an enemy of our soul, right? And the scripture points out that theologians for years, millennia, have said there's usually three. It's, it's the devil. We've talked about that. It's um, the flesh, right? Your, your actual physical body that desires things, and many times they could be unhealthy desires. And then the last, which we're going to be hitting on today, is the world. And so there's so many ways to go about this conversation. But what I want to press into is this idea of, of this true north within the world that we live in. If you and I were to go out on a boat, and um, back in the day, you know, many would be navigated by the stars, by the certain direction of the sun and when it was setting and it was when it was rising and certain stars that were in the sky and they were looking to, for direction, right? To understand where was north, east, south, and west. And there's just this idea, at least for me, that we need to have a true north in our soul. We're being led astray. Might, might not know, but we could be led astray in so many different ways when it comes to the world that we tangibly live in. And so I want to hit on this. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to John chapter 17, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're in the New Testament. Starting at verse 17. Do you guys need the lights turned up a little bit? You good? Can you see if you have your Bible? Bring your Bible, please, because I stand in front of the screen, and then it's hard to read it. So we, we do that so you could bring your Bible. <laughs> so John 17, starting at verse 14, and we're going to read to 18. It says this. It says, I have, this is Jesus speaking, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of, not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself so that they too may be truly sanctified. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you right now for this word, God, that we offer up. God, we offer up our bodies, our minds, our thoughts, our soul to learn more about you, to dive into the scripture, to be challenged in our faith. God, as a body of Christ, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak what only you desire to speak this morning that you would convict where your spirit would choose to convict and that we would be receptive of this word, God, that it wouldn't fall to the ground, but that it would fall on soil, good soil, Jesus, so that we can step into the goodness of who you are. 
In your name we pray, <clears throat> amen. So this idea of true north in this world, right? The, the world in the Greek, many times the world, Jesus uses the language of the world there, right? In John 17. So there's a couple of different translation in the Greek of the world. One, one of them is cosmos in the Greek, which is planet earth or humanity, when it says, for God so loved the world, that translation is better read, for God so loved humanity. This world that Jesus is referring to here is cosmos, okay? So it's really, it's kind of sort of like the system of practices and standards associated with secular society. Dallas Willard, with his definition of the world is, our cultural and social practices that are under the control of Satan and thus opposed to God. A professor named Dr. Jerry puts it this way. The world is Satan's domain where his authority and values reign. Though his deception makes that hard to realize. If you are of the world, then it all seems right. The world, defined by John Mark Comer in his book Live No Lives, is this. A system of ideas, values, morals, practices, and social norms that are integrated into the mainstream and institutionalized into a culture corrupted by the twin sins of rebellion against God and the redefinition of good and evil. When he hits on twin sins, what he's saying here is it can be found in the Genesis account of Genesis chapter 3. Two twin sins. The first twin sin, if you're taking notes, is distance yourself from God. That's one of the main um, tactics of the enemy. How can I get them to be distanced from God? What do I have to do in their life to separate God from them? And he comes in many different forms and ways and ideas. And we've been learning about thoughts and we've been learning about his deceptive ideas. But his number one ploy, one, a twin sin, is how do you just do your own thing, right? I got to just do me, right? We talked about that a couple weeks back. The second twin sin is define good and evil for yourself. And this is the culture we live in, right? This is the world and the society that we live in, the, the secular perspective of how do I define my perspective of good and evil? Where are you getting your morality and your ethic and character when it comes to right, wrong, yes, or no? And many times, if we are defining evil for ourselves, that is a slippery slope, right? Rather than God's truth. How many of you know the scripture says, we say this all the time, that this, this book is sharper than any two-edged sword. And the scripture says that it pierces right to your soul. So when you open up this book and you start reading it, it will read you, right? And all you have to do is just read the word. All you have to do is open it and begin to digest what God is saying, and then you'll be convicted, Pastor Sam doesn't have to convict you. Your mom doesn't have to convict you. Your spouse doesn't have to convict you. When we begin to open the scriptures up and see God as our true authority, or if I could say it like this, our true north, what happens is we begin to say, okay, there is a right and wrong, good and evil way that secular brings definition, but what does God say about this stuff? 
And I know that in the world that we live in, oftentimes, this is how the world is normalized. In such a world, evil is often called good, and good is often called evil. Right? And we see this all the time. I don't know about you. I have no idea what's going on in the news. I don't watch the news anymore. (laughs) I just can't stand it. Because it's a lot of lies or a lot of false deception. Or maybe there's truth in there. Maybe there's not. What do you know? I don't know. Is this true? Is this not? Is this real? Is this not? But what it does is it gets into your thought. And then you start thinking. And then we become afraid. And the economy and the crash and finances and what am I going to do and another variant and another fear tactic, right? And so what happens is, and I'm not negating how this stuff can be real, but I wonder how we would live our life if our minds were more focused on the word. We need to know what's happening in the world, of course. But what are you allowing into your mind, right? Because what happens sooner or later is it's like, well, no, we kind of make excuses for good and evil and right and wrong. But I want to know what God says about that. You want to know my desire is, is to continue to keep my true north God. Honestly, that, that is the deepest desire of my soul. How do I, on a regular basis, in the life that I'm living, in the world that we get to live in, how do I maintain my direction with God? How do I maintain my posture to be healthy with God? And we have to realize that to listen, obey, follow, seek after his kingdom. You know, Jesus said that we talked about, we had a whole collection on like first, remember? I don't know if you remember that. We were hitting on all the first things that God said. And I have this different perspective on, on when, it, when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added. You know what I have done, and maybe you've done the same thing, is I say, okay, God first, and then I have a priority after that. Is it just me that does that? It's like God first, and then family, you know, and then, and then ministry, or, and then career. It's like, well, God, if I put you first, then... But really, God's saying, no, it's just the kingdom first. Like, what would it look like if our lives, the the only priority was the kingdom? And everything that falls outside of that, we do not participate in. We can shine light into, but I don't want to be so drawn or mixed up or confused by the world that I live in that I'm, I'm, I'm off center and my true north is no longer God. Does that make sense? So I want to seek his kingdom and his kingdom only and anything outside of that, I don't need. My friend, you don't need mammon to be sustained. I promise you that money will not buy you happiness. I promise you that having whatever that is that you're looking for, if it doesn't involve the kingdom, it will not quench what God truly has for you. And so we live in a dilemma, don't we? With the devil and the lies, the father of lies, with the flesh and what we want. We want that chocolate ice cream, but then it's way deeper than that. And now... We live in a world, but Jesus said, you live in the world, but you're not of the world, right? 
So we can put our new authority, if we can say it like this, into the authentic self, which we defined two weeks ago as our desires and our feelings. So hear me out. When we follow our desires and our feelings, we lose direction. I don't know about you, but I don't want my master to be my emotions, right? They're great servants, but they're not my master. Because when you allow your emotions to be your master, we just know that the end of that story, right? So we're on a journey, you and I, and we must ask ourselves who our true north is in, the ways of our modern day or the ways of Jesus, God, and his spirit. So what life, what life would you imagine if you stepped into that reality of his kingdom? As we live in this world, how, what would your life look like if everything that you did was for his kingdom, to bring his kingdom here on earth, to not allow the world around us to conform us, but rather, as the word says, to be transformed by God his way, his word, that renews us, right? So this, this is sort of a new conversation in psychology going on right now. And it's called social contagion theory. Okay, this is, this is how it reads. This is kind of the idea that psychologists are getting at. And by the way, I feel like this has been around for a while. Behaviors, good or bad, spread through networks of family, and friends, and neighborhoods, and cities in a very similar way to a virus. I'll say it again. It's contagion theory. Behaviors, good or bad, spread through networks of family, and friends, and neighborhoods, and cities in a very similar way to a virus. The classic example is like yawning, right? If I yawn right now, someone in the room is bound to yawn, right? The list goes on and on, by the way, on that, of moral behaviors as well. Smoking or not smoking, healthy eating or just junk food, <laughs> temporary drinking or alcoholism, being nice or being rude. Basically, any behavior you can think of, if you do it, it begins to spread like a disease, not just for you, but to others around you. So what does this mean to us? Whatever is the herd mentality will give way to our culture and thus our world. Is this making sense? So what world can we create here and now? That's my question to you and I. Could you imagine if there is such a thing as contagion theory, which we would all agree, I would hope we would agree to that, right? What would our world look like in Chino, in Chino Hills, and in Ontario, in Eastville, in Pomona, in Montclair, what would our city look like if just our community said, I'm going to shine a light in every avenue of the people around me? Matthew 5, 13 through 15 says this. Jesus says this. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And then Jesus strikes us with this word. He says, you are the light of the world. 
A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know what I've begun to realize? I heard this, this this last week, two weeks ago. Based off this scripture, notice Jesus didn't say, you are the light of the church. Do you notice that? He says, you are the light of the cosmos. You are the light of humanity. To the world, you are a light. The place that we currently call home. And Jesus says, let your light shine in this world so others may see. See. See your good deeds. See your behaviors. See your perspective. See how you treat one another. And I mean, we can take this all the way into each community, into then our family life. Right? One thing that I am challenged on, honestly, if I could just confess this, I am so challenged We have communities in every area of our life, right? I have a little ecosystem community of my wife and my two daughters. They are a part of my community. And I desperately desire to show healthy behavior, healthy attitude, good deeds that are transformed not because of a self-help program, but because the Spirit of God. So I want to bring my best in worship to God, but also in the community that I reside in. And that first starts in the home, doesn't it? If we don't get the home right, how do we expect to get the world right? Right? That's why when you look at like the elder criteria, it says, I want to know how these people are with their family. Do they have a good standing in the community based off of their family? And so, what, I, I, what I'm pushing at here is, yes, we ought to look at the world and the light of the world. We ought to be a light shining. But what does that look like to your children? What does that look like to your spouse? And it starts there and it doesn't end there, though. I want Lenya to come with me and I want her to know, man, this God is unconditional with his love. Because I've experienced that through my dad. Like, I so desire to, to go into, like, spaces. I was sharing this, I think, with Maggie. We went to this conference, and it was so amazing, and there's just really cool things going on. And if, if you're like me, when things are going on, I'm such an includer. I'm like, I wish this person was here. I wish this person was here. I wish this person was, You know what I mean? It's Because like, it's, like, so life-giving. And then it's like, I don't know how to properly explain that to somebody else, but you just wish they're in the room. I want to do that with my daughters, but I don't want them to believe that this stuff is fake. I want them to see the realness of God. But how many of you know it starts with you? Doesn't it? It starts with all of us. And so we live in a world that is heavy and it's dark. And I'm sorry if this seems like ultra spiritual, but I'm not too happy about Halloween sometimes. I'm just gonna be honest. Because now I have a little girl and she gets scared sometimes. And I don't want her to be afraid by me walking around and there's like a little demon boy running around. Do you know what I mean? No, I'm going to protect my daughter's eyes. I don't want to glorify fear in her life. 
And I promise, I'm not trying to like dig on anyone. It's not a nod to anybody. I'm just telling you my convictions because I realize the world we live in, friends. And we ought to be uh, wise as serpents, Jesus said, and gentle as doves. So what does that look like for you in the world that we're living in right now? Do you, do you glorify the things in the world that we're occupying, the space that we live? Are you, if I could say it this way, are, 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 you, are you dancing with things you're not supposed to dance with, right? And so for me, my gosh, if I'm being honest, I, I just, I need God so bad. Like I need him. I need his guidance. I need his wisdom. I need his spirit that leads me. It's not Sammy's power. It's not willpower. I can't stand in the mirror and say, you're going to be a good man today. It's like, good luck with that. I can't do that without the power of God in my life. But, but I also realized that I was telling Javier this this morning. We were like painting and stuff. And you know when you paint, you think a lot. We were just talking back and forth, and it was so good because it's like, man, I don't want to always live on the defense in this world. Do you? Where you're like getting worried, and you're afraid, and you're protecting, and you're trying to figure things out, and you're trying to withhold things, and you're trying to like tiptoe around everything. It's like, what if we begin to live on the offense where we realize that the battle's already won, and we realize that you are the light of the world. I mean, have you like conceptualized that? Has that word sunken deep enough as as Paul says in Ephesians, have your eyes been open to that revelation that you possess the spirit of God in you so you don't have to walk around afraid. You don't have to step into a room and be terrified. But how many of you know you don't have to just step in the room just to step in the room? You don't have to be in spaces that you don't need to be in. Unless the Father says to go there, then go there. But Jesus says, let your light shine bright. Just this Friday, um, we were, you know, there's already the youth conversation, right? We were just handing out donuts on, um, I went to Chino High. Shout out to Chino High School. And um, I love Chino High School. Sorry, Marky, for, for Don Lugo. I know, man. And I, I just was going there, and we were just handing out donuts to people and, like, encouraging them, right? We weren't preaching the gospel. We weren't doing it. We're just, the goal is to build relationships, right? How, how many names do you know? How many people, do, how many youth do you know? Because I don't know about you, but a youth will not let you into their life until they know that you care about them. And it actually doesn't change when we get older. <laughs> and I just, I remember, like, just this Friday, it was just, it's so life-giving. Yes, I didn't preach the gospel, but I actually did with my body. Does that make sense? Like, everywhere we go, we should be preaching the gospel. Your life should be a reflection of the gospel. And, and, and I just want to be the incarnate Jesus to people. But that takes work, doesn't it? Because if I'm constantly fighting on the defense then I'm not living how God's truly called me to live in the offense and and showing light and giving encouragement and speaking into people and building actual tangible relationships with one another. My friends, this is where we as the church must stand and show the world Jesus. 
Show those around us the good life, the blessed life. We have a gift around us in this room, yes, but I just don't want to be people that are in the room. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you need to know this, but I feel like we've really expressed this. You are ministers in every area of, of life that you're in. Like, if you didn't know this, you don't have to be a preacher speaking with a microphone. You are already a minister in the world that you live in. So your business is the kingdom of heaven come. Your job as a teacher, how do I bring the kingdom here? But it, it starts with the way we act, our behavior, our attitude, our perspective, our generosity, our conversations. And we show this agape love to one another. So we get to create culture for the future. Where? In the spaces we walk, live, and breathe. Does that make sense? And I just, I recognize that we gotta get this one right. We really do. How, how, do we, how do we bring that into the spaces we live into? And I would propose that it starts here first. And then it starts in your family. And then from your family, it starts in the community and the workspaces and the environment and the relationships that you're in. And then it, becomes, it begins to spread like a virus into the community. And I just, I want that so desperately, don't you? I mean, I want people to experience life to the full. Because many times we can live like nightmares, right? But how do we show light to a world that needs Jesus? And you know our conversations for the one. And I mean, if we could just go there for a moment, like, are there people in your life that you just fully disagree with? That's the space Jesus is inviting you in the most. How do you show this agape love? How do you show actual Jesus to those around you? And I just, I would argue that's where the conversation begins. Does that make sense? I want to read you this passage of scripture as the worship comes up. It says this in John 16, verses 25 to 33. This is Jesus on the world and trouble. It says, though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use the kind of language but will tell you plainly about my Father. And that day you will ask in my name, and I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. This is Jesus speaking. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. And then here it is. Jesus' disciples said this. Now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. There was a revelation that came there. And then Jesus responded, do you now believe? Remember the thought. It starts with a belief system. Do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home and you will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone for my father is with me. 
And then he says this in 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You may have peace. You know, many of us are seeking peace without the Prince of Peace. That's honestly, it's not a nod on the world we live in, but so many people are trying to create peace in their life, right? Peace, I want peace, I want peace. And it's like, man, you're not gonna get it unless you have the actual Prince of Peace. Unless you have God, unless you have Jesus. He's the one that brings peace into the craziest storms of life. And then he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Here, Jesus is saying, he is the true north for our soul. And the question you have to ask yourself, my my question to you is, can you see it? Can you see the true north? A new society in our community and in our cities, a people of love in this humanity, right? In this world, we get to share in that agape love of God to us and through us to the world that we live in. So as we come to a close on this collection, honestly, each year we're probably just gonna keep going deeper There were so many things, by the way, that I wanted to dive into more, but I just don't know we're, like, ready for, if I'm being honest. But I can just say it like this. The enemy comes with deceptive lies. And you might think it's a sin issue or it's a I'm doing something issue. And, and yeah, sin sin will eat you up and spit you out. But I would propose it's, it's it's a belief issue. The way that you believe God is a reflection on how you live your life, on how God views you. So as Mike said last week, if you believe you're unclean, then you're going to do things in reflection of that belief system. But if you believe that God has cleansed you and as he's washed you, as he's set you free, that belief becomes a thought and then it begins to shape our lives and then we walk in that. And so my, my, my challenge to you is reorder your beliefs, reorder your thoughts, and let them be dependent on the true north of the scriptures. Because it's there that life begins to transform from within in our lives. And then our body follows. Our actions follow. I'm going to say it like this. Just go zero to 100. <laughs> I was told when I was in high school, I never struggled with alcohol, I never struggled with um, drugs or weed or just, you know, all of the heavy things that youth and even with the 20s and the 30s, sometimes people get addicted and they just never fall away from the addiction, right? So I didn't struggle with those things, but I always struggled with lust, always. If you knew me in high school, man, you knew that, (laughs) Right, Marky can come and attest to that. And it was something that just all the time, and I had a friend named Eli, and you know what he told me one day? Bless his heart. We would keep each other accountable when we'd fall short, right? We'd watch things we weren't supposed to watch on the internet, right? And we'd fall short. And I remember I would read Romans 7, and I would cry to God, like, God, wretched man that I am, who's gonna save me? It's only you, Jesus, help me, please. And me and my buddy would keep each other accountable in high school. Like, how are you doing, man? Like, like you just got to grit through it. You got to fight through it. Just stop doing it. We'd text each other, and then we'd fall, and then we'd text, and it was just depressing, right? Like, oh, it fell again. 
And he told me when I was a junior in high school, you know, he said, he went, man, I went to a Bible study and this older man, he's been married for years. And he said, he said, hey man, you're gonna struggle with pornography all your life, even when you're married. It just will never go away. And my buddy told me that. And you know what the devil did? He said, I got you with that one. I got you with that belief. And I believe that for so long. Does that make sense? I'm sorry. Sorry, Mom, I'm, I'm going there, right? <laughs> but, like, it's that small of a thing that is not small. And God had to rewire my brain, and he took me to that memory, honestly. He took me to that memory, and he said, you were told a lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You will find freedom because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I have the spirit of the living God in me. And so stop living in a lie. Stop listening to a lie. That comes from the pit of hell. But if you do not know the word of God, you'll live into those things and you'll breathe those things and you'll wake up one morning and you'll be robbed of so many years of life and goodness and freedom from any sort of addiction. And I'm here to tell you, I'm sorry, but those things, once an addict is always an addict, that's a lie from the pit of hell. So <clears throat> the man in the room, I'm calling you out, man. Every man that I talk to, I ask them, are you struggling with pornography? Yeah, it's no big deal, though. Yeah, it's no big deal. I'm like, wait, wait, do you believe Jesus? Do you believe in the scripture? Do you believe in God? Does your wife know about that? It's like, well, I mean, I'm not doing anything wrong. It's like, okay, well, then let's open up the scriptures. Let's talk about that. But that came. It's not a sin issue, yes. It's not a behavior issue, yes. But it's more an idea issue. Because Lucifer came, the serpent came, and he started to ask questions. You really believe that? You, believe, you really believe God can do that? You really believe what he's saying is true? And then we conceptualize it in our bodies and we live it out. And I'm here to tell you that God gives you freedom, man. He gives you freedom. And so, yeah, this month has been heavy. I don't know if you felt that or if it's just me being over-spiritual. But I get to stand in the identity of Christ with the, right, with the plate of righteousness that wasn't given to me. I get to stand against anything, not from a posture of defense, but of offense. But there will be times that the arrows come. But if you're not standing, if you don't know the word, if you're not changing your thoughts, if you're not fighting or challenging your thoughts, then the enemy will get in with the stronghold. And I promise you, that stronghold can get heavier and heavier throughout the years. And, and all I want to say to you is, don't believe the lie anymore. Don't fall into that lie. Does that make sense? You guys good? Someone told me a couple weeks, man, you're a little too heavy lately. And I, I, I think I am, but I just, I've gotten so serious about this stuff. But I need to remember, like, like it's only grace that saves us. That's it, right? There's seasons in my life where I'm all about grace. It's like, man, you got grace, you got grace, you got grace, you're forgiven. But it's like, wait a second, we have grace so that we can actually live a life that God's called us to. So we don't have to live a licensed mess up. Oh, I messed up, that's what I did in high school. I messed up, I'm gonna go to you, God. Forgiven. 
oh, I messed up. I'm going to go to you, God. No, God will forgive. I used to tell myself, if I do this, God will forgive me. Is that not a lie from the enemy? I mean, God will forgive you, yes. But then we get into a stronghold, and it just, we don't live that Zoe life. That's why I name Zoe Zoe, because I want to live a, a Zoe life. I want to live an abundant life. And man, I just prophesied that over her. She's like so joyful and so happy. And like she just wants to smile all the time. But what does that look like to speak life into your situation? To speak life into your family? To speak life into your children? And I don't know if this sounds over spiritual. I'm done with that stuff. But I'm going to stand on the word of God for my family and my children and this community and for you. And if you won't believe it, I'll believe it for you. And we ought to be like, like Christian. Chris, I love you so much, man. You're the real deal, man. If you just hear him, he's already going. How do I pray for the guys on the yard? How do I pray? How do I pray? Hey, man, how do I pray for you? And they're making fun of him. That's all right. But some people get it. And then they're like, man, I have a bad day. I got to go to Christian. Right? I was on the phone with a guy the other day. I shared this last night. And he's like, man, every time I talk to you, like, I get all these goosebumps and I feel real good. Like, what is that? And I'm like, man, that's the Holy Spirit. And I said, watch this, man. You can have the same thing. But I, I, I do have God on me. I do have the Spirit of God on me. And he's called me to set the captives free. And so I'm going to set the captives free, but I'm not going to live in bondage anymore. I'm not going to live in slavery anymore. I'm not going to live to the lies of the father of lies and the thoughts that can kill me. I'm going to live in freedom. I'm going to live in freedom. And if I seem like a holy roller, I'm sorry, man. I'll try to figure that out with you. But, I, but it's just, it's, it's, it's so serious to me because I see it and I, I get this opportunity to walk with men that are struggling in their divorce and I see it and God's showing me how to be a better pastor and God's showing me how to speak life and he's showing me how to be direct because for far too long I've withheld things that I need to tell you because I'm tired. I have to, we have to fight for each other. I'm just so tired of us walking in, like Mike said, like Tigger's. I'm sorry, like Eeyore. Tigger's the happy one. You know Eeyore? Right? Eeyore's sad and he's down. Oh, yeah. Just getting through it. Man, no. Not on a child of God. Not on a son. Not on a daughter of God. And I just, I need to show people Jesus. The only, it starts with me though. You know what I mean? It starts with me. You guys doing good? Yeah, you guys are. <clears throat> so if I was hard, let me give you the good stuff. God loves you. Man, he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. I promise that. I promise that. Nothing can buy this, this, this happiness, this joy. Nothing. It's a free gift on Christmas morning. And you get to step into it and you get to walk into it. But you're going to be challenged along the way. You have to have friends that are willing to pull you out and call you out and speak life into you. Because I don't want to live like the old man. So let's show the kingdom of God, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's real to me now. 
I learned this just this last week. That's an apostolic call from God, right? The apostles in the Roman Empire, Jesus got the, the, the scriptures, the, Old, the New Testament got the language from the Roman Empire because when they would go to conquer a land, they took with them apostles that represented the space that they occupied. And so they took what they had in one culture and they took apostles with them to transform a culture and to Hellenize the culture for Greeks. And then the scripture uses, no, 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 you're an apostle now. You're a called one to bring what you have here in the kingdom into every crevice and space of your life. And I'm just going to call people out in the room. You're apostles, man. God has called you to bring what is in the kingdom. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's apostolic. So what's in heaven, I'm going to bring an usher in here. And I just want to do that, what's in heaven, and bring it into my family. Let's start there. And then I want to bring in what's, in what's in heaven and I want to bring it into the relationships. And then I want to bring that into the city. But I have to know who I am in Christ. And I want that for you so bad. Does that sound good? Yeah. Let's pray. Will you stand with me? <clears throat> Jesus, I pray over every person in this room. God, if they have been living with a deceptive lie, a deceptive idea, if, if God, if even right now, Lord, I, I know you're showing people in their mind's eye and their hearts that, yeah, that is a lie. Yeah, I have been thinking about that. That isn't accurate. That isn't the word of God. And Father, we speak against those things in the name of Jesus, that the enemy would no longer have a foothold in our mind, in our thoughts, in our lives, in our marriages, as we father, as we mother, as we work unto you, as we steward our finances. May we be so in alignment with your kingdom, God, that everything we do is a reflection of you, and may we not see it just here as the church, but God, you said we are the light, not of the church, but you're, we're the light of the world. So God, let's bring, I pray that you would show us how to bring that into the world that we live. But I know, Lord, that it starts with me. But right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak against strongholds in this room. I speak against pornography in this room over men and women. I speak against fear. Some of you are so terrified to just go to the grocery store. I speak against the spirit of fear. Some of us are so terrified about what's going to happen to the, our little one. I speak against fear. Paranoia. I speak against those things. We ought to be so confident in who we are. Yes, our little one's going to fall. Yes, they're going to get scraped. Yes, their knee's going to bleed. That's a good thing. They need, they need resilience in this world. But may we, as mothers and fathers, bring the power of God to our little ones and show them there's no junior Holy Spirit in this. So dads, it starts with you, man. Moms, it starts with you. Business owners, it starts with you. Teachers in the room, so many teachers, it starts in your classroom. Wherever you go, you're commissioned to bring thy kingdom into your classroom, workspace, therapy room, business. It does not matter. You bring the kingdom there. So Jesus, be with your people. Bless them, God. As they honor you, 
as they walk in your ways, as they lean not into their own understandings. That's my favorite Bible verse, by the way. My mom gave me $20 to memorize that when I was 10 years old. (laughs) And then it, it gripped my heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean in your own understandings. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. If we would just live that out, do you really trust God? to lead you and guide you, but that word trust is very deep. Trust him with your life. Trust him with your soul. Trust him with your thoughts and watch what he does in your life. Amen.